0: Hey everyone, welcome to the Promise Church Podcast. At the end of this episode, please take a moment to like us and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at MyPromiseChurch. And to see what else is going on around here at Promise, please visit us at MyPromiseChurch.com. We hope this message you're about to listen to ministers to you and changes your life. Enjoy. together one more time. Hallelujah. 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 Amen, 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 amen. I'm glad to be with you today. Amen. So glad to be with you today. Say it with me if you're able to. I'm going to go quickly into the word today. So glad that you're here. Um it's always good to see you today, every Sunday. You know, I, um, I was telling my wife this last couple weeks that um, it's so good to see everybody. And I just want to say, like, your smile matters so much in church right now. Your worship matters so much in church right now. Uh, just your clap, your shout, uh, your handshake. Uh, or fist bump, whatever the case is, um, matters so much because there's so many folks that um, have either been disconnected or just been watching online. And when they, when they return, it's good to see a familiar face. How many know that's right? And just to see somebody's worship, see somebody's praise. And really, that's been happening. So I'm so glad um, just that you're here today and in both of our services um, it's just been a blessing the last number of weeks. In fact, this is what I was telling my wife, you know, um we live in a beautiful tropical area, do we not? Yeah. And I'm happy to be here. Uh but the truth is there's a lot of stuff to do in Florida, right? Uh and so a lot of times my wife and I and some of our ministry team leaders will be putting together our schedule for Sunday, and it's like, well, those folks are out of town, those folks are out of town, those folks are out of town. And typically that can be uh, like kind of like a puzzle to put together. But the last couple weeks, I've been really excited about that because that meant that things are normalizing uh, because I'm like, hey, there's a pent up demand to take your kids to the beach. I thought I'd get an amen on that yeah. to take your sweetheart to uh, uh, get rest. Nice place. Thank you to the beach or whatever, and so uh, I'm excited about that. I feel like people are um, easing up a little bit, and I'm glad for that, and so um, as people come back to church, I just tell you that being here and being in the house Sunday, every Sunday, whether it's the first service or the second service, just people see you worshiping, smiling, fist bumping, all that good stuff it matters so much. So thank you for being here today. And as people get back in that swing and that rhythm of Sundays, um, I just believe that God has some amazing things for us as we go into this year. We're rapidly coming into the Easter season and um, it's an early Easter this year. If you don't know, Easter's a floating holiday. It's not um, the same day every year. And so um, it's early this year. I'm going to begin a message series just kind of a gospel-centered, Christ-centered message series. Um, not, sun, not next Sunday, but the following, because next Sunday is a big, big Sunday around here. It's our life group kickoff, and I'm really excited about this. This is another thing that just really is the life of the church, um, getting people together, fellowship, plugged in. And so you don't want to miss next Sunday. It's going to be a lot of fun. I know we've got an ice cream truck. we got a lot of fun stuff that's going to happen after both services. And so um, I'm really excited about next week. I'm excited about getting um, a lot of these life groups kick-started. So turn to somebody and say, "I'll see you next Sunday." Now Now you said it, not me. You said it, not me. All right, so now you can lie in, ch- in somewhere else, but not in church, right? Like that's, a, that's an extra that's a, a, that's a deeper level of something. I don't know. I'm going to open the Bible because that ain't in the Bible. Uh, <laughs> 2 Samuel 23, verse 11 says, Next to him was Shema. When the Philistines banded together at a place where there was a field full of lentils, Israel's troops fled from them. Notice this now. But Shema took his stand. Everybody else took off running, but Shema took his stand in the middle of the field. He defended it. He struck the Philistines down and the Lord brought about a great victory. Let me put this together with Ephesians 6 and 10 today. It says, Finally be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your I see a theme in the scripture today that there's just something powerful about taking a stand. I feel it in the house. That's all right. Give God a praise. Amen, 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 amen. And if if I had you stand the whole whole message, this would be a real quick message. So go ahead and be seated. God bless you for being in the house today. You know, we're kind of in between here. Um, Last week... Uh, We did a message on love. It was Valentine's Day weekend and next week we got life groups and um, I'm going to be preaching about that and then um, the next week we're going to start in on, just like I told you, kind of a Christ-centered, gospel-centered message series that will lead us into the Passion Week and the Easter uh, Sunday. So I'm kind of in the middle here and A lot of times I like to know what I'm preaching a few weeks ahead of time, unless the Lord just really drops something in my spirit. But today I'm just going to preach my heart. And it might not be all that deep, but uh, I'll try to be deeper another time. Uh, I believe God wants to give you a testimony for every test. I really believe that, and I want to speak that today and just speak that over your spirit, over your life, over your situation, that sincerely with God, nothing is wasted. Every test can be a testimony. I did a message when I was young, and and they would have me preach at youth camps called uh, Scars Tell Stories. And I have a scar between my nose and my lip, and if I told you the story about it, there's a story behind every scar. And there's no, there's no test, there's no trial that God can't use. There's no scar that God can't use to tell a story. There's no test that God can't use to tell a testimony. And I believe in the season that we've come through that God wants to give you a story. I believe that God wants to give you a testimony. And I believe in and through the test, God wants to show His faithfulness. I believe in and through the test, God wants to show you He's able, He's powerful, He's on the throne. And I believe in the season that we've come through, I believe we've done everything that we can do. I believe we've prayed. I believe we've fasted. I believe we've, we've trusted God. We've believed. We've had faith. We're all here today in the middle of God's house and now the only thing that's left to do is to just stand your ground, is to just stand in the middle of your field, is just to keep on standing, keep on praying, keep on believing, keep on standing, keep on doing what you know to do. And I'm not talking about the blessing of finances or or just some temporal blessing today. I'm talking about in your spirit, in your soul, in your heart, in your salvation. Because it's in those moments that the enemy, he's not just trying to take your bank account. He doesn't want your 401k. I said it recently. He doesn't want your checking account. He wants your soul. Because if he gets your soul, he gets everything else. But it's in this test that God wants to give you a testimony of how God brought me through, how God made a way, how God sustained me, provided for me, picked me up, forgave me saved me and when I get on the other side I can only say it was by his hand it was by his mercy it was by his grace it was by his spirit it was through his word that I was able to make it it was I've got a testimony for the test that I was in and I didn't love the test and I didn't love the season but I came through tried like fire pure like gold And there are times that you'll find yourself like Shema in a fight that you didn't pick. Facing an enemy that you didn't want to fight. Experiencing circumstances that you didn't choose. Oh, but when you've done everything that you know how to do, God says all you got to do is stand. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. I believe we can learn something from these two verses today. You know, this book is so good, sometimes you only need two verses. You know, the preacher oftentimes says, stand with me for the reading of the word, I'll be quick, and he's not. But hey, today we only had two verses. Two verses can change your life, set the direction for your week. We're in God's house on the first day of the week. It'll help you stand your ground, set your course. And Shema just took a stand in the middle of his field. I want to give you three things today. I believe that we need to stand with God's people. You know, God will always have a people. God always has had a people. God has a people right now. God will always have a people. And I choose to stand with God's people. Verse 11 said, next to him was Shema, the first one. <laughs> Next to him was Shema. You know, every generation has a Shema. Every generation, there will be Shema's. There'll be people that won't run out, won't back down, won't disappear, won't sleep in, won't miss the battle. They refuse fear. They stand with faith and they take a stand. They're people that stand up. When it gets hard, the tough get going or something like that. In tough times, the enemy's near, and they don't disappear. They stand up. They're not perfect people, but you can stand with them. You can count on them. I don't know about you, but I want to be a Shema. I I don't know if you have these type of people in your life, but but I'm thankful that I do. I have people that I can count on. They might not be my, my closest friends, There might not be people that I talk to on a daily basis or a weekly basis. Anybody have these kind of friends? I might not have seen them in years. But I know that if I call them, I can count on them. There's people in this city that I know, if if I had a flat tire, I'm calling them. If I broke, I wouldn't call you for a flat tire. Let me rephrase that. (laughs) I got a donut. If I broke down on the side of the road and it was so bad I needed a ride, there's people that I would call because I know they answer their phone. That's the first one right there. (laughs) you got those folks that it goes right to voicemail every single time. You're surprised when they answer because I expected it to go to voicemail. But I'm not talking about those people. I'm talking about people you can count on. I have friends in my life, I haven't seen them for years, but I know if I needed to talk to somebody, they'd be there for me. I know in a hard time, they would be there for me. And, and, and those are the kind of people that I'm talking about. People that can be counted on. People that are on the Lord's side. They know, you know where they stand in times of trouble. You know that they'll stand by you. You don't have to look around and see if they took off running. You know that they are standing next to you. They're not perfect people, but they got faith in God's promise. They're not perfect people, but they've been transformed by the power of His Spirit and the promise of his gospel. I got to remind you today. You're not standing by yourself. But God has a people. And he always has had a people. And he always will have a people. And the Bible said that the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. God will always have a people. Our church, our city, our world needs some shamas. 2021 needs some Shema's. People who will stand, people who will love, people who will shine their light. Friend, we're not better than anybody else. We're not. But we should be different. We should be different. Different perspective. Different attitude. Different worldview. Different values. Different faith. Different fear. Different level of compassion. Different level of generosity. We're just different. That's actually what holy means. It means different. means distinct. It means set apart. It means other, not like the rest, not like the world. We serve a holy God. He's different. He's distinct. He's not like anything else. And a holy God has called us a holy people, which means we're not like the rest. We're not like the world. So when the rest of the world is afraid or worried or fearful, we're not that way. And so here's the thing. The difference is attractive. The difference is attractive. I, I have a friend that lives in a, another part of the country. I've known him since, since we were kids. And he called me recently and he said, you know, it, it, we, were, we were talking about a lot of different things. But one of the things he said is he said, me and my wife noticed recently that our friends from church they're no different than our friends in the neighborhood. Our friends from church, they're no different than the, our friends from work. They talk the same. They do the same things. They go the same places. They have the same views. They have the same attitudes. They talk the same. So, what do I do? I said, you got to get new friends, <laughs> you got to stand with God's people. Because God's people, they're different people. And if you're like everybody else, there's nothing, there's nothing special about you. And if you invite somebody to church, they'll say, I'm not, why? I'm not giving up my day off to be like you. <laughs> uh, what's different? I leave church on Sunday and, and there'll be people enjoying Florida and they're, they're on their bikes and they're taking walks on the waterfront and they're, they're eating outside with their families enjoying Sunday. They don't think they need the house of God because they've never met somebody that's been transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. But I'll tell you, that difference is attractive. That difference wins souls. That difference changes atmospheres. That difference changes eternal destinies. It pushes back hell and principalities and powers. I wish I had somebody to help me preach today. That difference will change families. It'll change family trees. It'll change history. It'll change you. It'll change the world. Because God has called us to be a holy people. And so people will walk up to you. I don't know if you've ever had this. They'll walk up to you and say, you're just different. I remember uh, my pastor growing up, he had a story about washing his hands in the men's room in an airport. And he said he was using the restroom next to a guy that said, you're a preacher, aren't you? And he thought, do I know you? You know, it's an awkward conversation in the restroom. They're washing their hands. And he says, Do I know you? He says, No. And he pulled out $100 out of his wallet and he gave him $100. And he said, I didn't need the $100, but I needed to know that God could provide. He said he was in the middle of some kind of building fund, some kind of church campaign. But, he, but the point is that people can just see it on you. You're just washing your hands, and somebody says, There's something different about you. Why are you like the way you are? You're different, you have peace. That's different. You love your spouse. That's different. You love your kids. That's different. You're not worried about all the things we're worried about. You're not complaining about all the things we're complaining about. What is it that's different about you? I've got a peace that the world didn't give me and the world can't take it away. It came from Jesus and I've never been the same and now I'm changed. Oh, come on somebody. And you can be changed too and you'll never be the same. Different. God's always had a people. He'll always have a people. They think different. They love different. They give different. We're God's people. Hebrews eleven twenty four, 24, Moses, it says, by faith, when he had grown up. See, he grew up in Pharaoh's palace. He grew up under the care of Pharaoh's daughter. He grew up in wealth, in comfort, in ease. He grew up having a, 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 a corporate ladder laid out for him to be a ruler in Egypt. But it was by faith when he grew up, he refused to be standing with Pharaoh's people. Verse 25 says, He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. See, there it is right there. I could just close the Bible right there. It might be easier to stand with the world. It might be easier to stand with the crowd. You might have more, more financial blessing. It might be more comforts, more whatever it is. But I'll tell you, by faith you'll choose to stand with the people of God, to stand on the Lord's side because you know that the pleasures of this world are fleeting, but the eternal reward of God is forever and it's far better and somebody ought to take a shout right there and just praise God. I choose to stand with God's people. I told you that I didn't have anything deep today. I just wanted to preach my heart. And I got a preach in me today that I don't always have. And I just got to tell you today, I'm happy to be on the Lord's side. I'm happy to stand with God's people. I'm happy to be counted in that number. Oh, somebody ought to get that in their spirit today. I'm happy. I counted a joy to be with on God's side. Jesus said, don't be surprised when they hate you. They hated me first. Count it a joy when you're persecuted and afflicted, because it means you're on the Lord's side. i we'll move on. Number two, stand in the presence of the enemy. When the Philistines banded together, verse number eleven said, "Part B of verse number 11, When the Philistines banded together, Shema took a stand in the presence of the enemy. Shema had an enemy. And so do you. Listen, somebody wants your field. John 10 and 10, Jesus said, the thief comes to steal. The thief comes to kill. The thief comes to destroy. But Jesus said, I've come that you might have life. And you might have it more abundantly. Your enemy is unified. This verse on the screen says that The Philistines banded together. God forbid we have a more unified hell than a unified church. It said in the book of Acts that unity was a prerequisite for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. They were all in one place, one mind, one accord. They were all in the same prayer meeting. They were all united together. God forbid there be a more united enemy than there is a united church. The enemy is united. He's relentless. He wants your field. He wants your soul. He wants your family. He wants your purpose. He wants your calling. He wants your heart. He wants your gift. I'm not talking about the Philistines. I'm talking about the enemy of your soul that Jesus said walks around like a lion roaming. He's roaring. He's looking. He wants to destroy your life. He wants to take what's yours. He wants to take your joy, your salvation, try to push you out of the field that God has given you. But Ephesians 6 and 13 tells us we've just got to put on the armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything, just stand. Not if it comes, but when it comes. You'll be able to stand. You won't be knocked over by it. You won't be overcome by it. Stand your ground. How many know there's days when it seems like the devil knows your address? Right? He just, he knows. That's their door. I'm going to knock on it. You ever felt that? You ever had some of those days? Everything today is stressing me. Everything today is frustrating me. I I just, I want to yell at everybody. I catch a red light and I got a bad attitude about it. (laughs) Everything is wrong. This is bad. That's bad. They're bad. The sun's bad. The sky's bad. It's cloud. Everything's bad. Why am I down today? It's just a day of evil. They come. Those days will come. Shema was in a day of evil and the enemy came to steal what was his. But Shema took a stand even on the bad days. The Bible says if we'll put on the armor of God that we'll be able to stand even on the worst day. It's easy to stand on easy days. But it's hard to stand on hard days. But God said, if you'll put on the things that I've given you the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the sword of the Spirit God will give you the ability to stand. What does that mean? It means I shouldn't be able to stand, it means I should run away, it means I should flee. It means I should be overcome. I should get knocked down. I'm not able to make it. But by the sword of the Spirit, by the power of the Spirit, like Shema, I can stand in the evil day and I can fight back. That was the evil day for Shema. But hear me. It was also a day of blessing. The Bible said that he was attacked, catch it now, When the field was full of lentils. Now this is where I want to preach today. He didn't attack him when the field was empty. He attacked him when it was harvest time. Reaping time. See, that's a great time for the enemy to attack. That's when he wants to attack. Why would he attack before the harvest? Why would he attack while you're still tilling ground and still planting seed? No, 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 no. He wants to attack when you've got something going on. He wants to attack when you've got something to take. The field was full of lentils. That's why they were attacking. Because there was something to take. Let me say it this way. You'll know you have something valuable when the enemy is coming after it. God forbid the enemy see something valuable that you have in your hand that you don't recognize its value. God forbid the enemy see something valuable in your life that you don't see. Why is he attacking? Because he sees something valuable in your life. Why is he attacking your prayer time? Why? Because he knows the blessing from that prayer closet. You ever get in your prayer closet and your grocery list comes to mind? You ever get in your prayer closet and you think, I haven't called John back? You ever get in your prayer closet and you think, i got to mow the grass? He's attacking your prayer time because he knows there's something valuable there. And God forbid he know the value of it and you don't know the value of it. Why is he attacking your godly relationships? Why is he bringing disunity to you? Why is he telling you that so and so mistreated you? Because he knows there's a value in that godly relationship. Why is he attacking you being in the house of God? Because he knows there's a value in you being in the house of God. He knows the value. God forbid the enemy knows the value And we don't know the value of what we have in our hand. Why is he attacking your marriage? Why is he attacking your children? Why is he attacking your family? Why is he attacking your home? Why is he attacking your offering? Why is he attacking your tithe? Why is he attacking God's house? Because he knows the value. He knows the value of it in your life. God forbid he know the value. And you don't know the value. Satan knows there's a blessing there. And that's why he wants to take it from you. Some of you are thinking, why am I in a fight? Why am I in a battle? I know why. Because God has blessed that. When you feel that resistance of the enemy, you ought to pray all the harder. I I always tell people on the 21-day fast, I say, the devil is going to show up in the form of a candy bar, a pizza. Hey, he came as a serpent and an apple. I think it was an apple. I don't know. Maybe it was a key line. I don't know. <laughs> Trying to bring some Florida in here. Maybe the garden was in Orlando. Well, I don't know. It wasn't. Never mind. That's bad theology. That's bad that's bad Bible archaeology there. It was not. I know why he's attacking you. Because he knows you're on the right track. He knows God is blessing what you're doing. He knows that's God's purpose, God's calling, God's ordination of the blessing that God has put in your hand. You're in a field of harvest. You have a gift. You are living right, doing right, walking right. So the enemy is coming against you. Why would he attack a field that didn't have any lentils? Why would he attack somebody that's already on a collision course with hell? What was that old song that somebody was... There's an old song like way before I was born that somebody was on a highway to hell. (laughs) Why is is he going to stop them? I I know it's funny, but I'm being serious. Why is he going to stop them? They're already on a collision course with hell. He ain't going to slow them down. You're already driving 100 miles an hour toward hell. I'm not even going to bother with them. He's bothering the people that are on a highway to heaven. He's bothering the people that are in church, are living right, praying right, doing right. He's not bothering with those folks. I've had people tell me, you know, he don't need to fight them. They're making his job easy. I've had people that tell me, you know, as soon as I started coming to church, my boss moved my schedule around and put me on Sundays. It happens. I've been doing this long enough. It's not a coincidence. It's not. I've had people tell me, you know, as soon as I started tithing, my car broke down, my landlord raised the rent. It's not a coincidence. When that resistance comes in those places, pray all the more, fast all the more, live for Him all the more, double down on what you're doing. Don't quit. Stand. Don't quit. Don't give up. Recognize what you have. The enemy knows what you have. We ought to recognize what we have. Take your stand even in the presence of the enemy. That's where you got to take your stand. You know, uh, the third thing I want to say is stand in your field. Stand in your field. The Bible says that he had... A field full of lentils and watch what he did it's in verse 12 but Shema took his stand in the middle of the field he defended it verse 12 says he defended it this word defend it means to deliver your deliverance is tied to your defense meaning you won't reap your harvest you won't deliver that that thing won't be delivered to you unless you defend it I asked my oldest son, Elijah, last night, what should I preach in the morning? And he said, uh, he said well, you did football a couple weeks ago. Let's do basketball tomorrow. <laughs> so I'm going to try. People say it's defense that really wins championships. It's not really the offense. A lot of people can play offense, but it's the defense that separates. It's the defense that delivers the championship. And really, it's right here in that scripture. It's your deliverance that's in the defense. Your deliverance is in taking a stand. Your deliverance is in your resistance. Your victory is in taking a stand, not turning around, not running, not giving up. I refuse to run. I refuse to back down. I'm going to fight because I see something of value in this field. Even if nobody else sees the value, you might run out on, But I see the value. And in a field of beans, he took a stand. Lentils. You know that's beans, right? Not an oil field. Not a gold mine. Not diamonds. Not even a cattle farm. Lentils. Beans. Hear me now. The enemy sometimes will convince you to run Because this field's insignificant. Go ahead and run. This field is insignificant. Just give in a little bit. Just give an inch of your life. Well, I won't go to church this Sunday because it's raining. Well, it's harder to go the next Sunday then because he already got you last week. And then it's the third week. Then it's every other week. Then it's once a month. Before long, you haven't been to church in a while. Just, just just, give up your prayer time today. Just give up your, your, just give up your Bible reading this week. Just, just, Just don't do it this time. But guess what? He's not satisfied with an inch. He's coming back for a foot. He's coming back for a yard. He's coming back for a meter. I don't know which one's bigger. He's coming back for a yard and a meter. Then He's coming back... He's coming back for 10 yards. He's coming back for a mile. He's coming back for everything. He's coming back for the whole acre. He's coming back for the whole farm. He's coming back for every field you got because he's not satisfied with a bean field. And, and so you got to draw the line and say, it's just a bean field, but it's my bean field, and this is where I'm going to take my stand. This is where I'm gonna fight my fight. I'm gonna fight right here. See, see, it wasn't it wasn't worth Israel's army to fight for Shema's bean field. They said, oh, okay. We're not gonna fight for Shema's beans. It ain't worth it. It's not worth the army's resources to fight for Shema's bean field. If the Philistines want it, we're gonna let them have it. This can was two bucks. Now, I don't have lentils today, but I got frijoles. Goja. Doesn't look like much, unless they're your beans. You might not care much about this can. It's two bucks, probably not even that. It's probably $2 at Publix. It was a dollar at Walmart. It was, 5, it was 39 cents at Aldi. And it was $5. I'll go the other way. It's $5 at Whole Foods, $7 at Trader Joe's, $8 at, at Fresh Market. But you might, thank you, Opie. But if you tilled the ground, you planted the seed, you watered the ground, you picked the weeds off the stalk, you prayed for sunshine, prayed for rain watered some more, prayed for more sunshine, picked some more weeds, sprayed some more uh, pesticide, or maybe you don't do that. Then you waited for the right time and you picked the bean off of the stalk. You washed them, you rinsed them, you shucked them out of the bean pod, you boiled the water on your stove, you cooked the sauce, you put them on the plate, you sat down to eat them, and somebody runs by and takes that plate off of your table. You're going to stand up because those are your beans. Somebody say, those are my beans. You better back off of that plate because I remember when those were a C. Your marriage might not mean much to your friends because it's not their field. It's not their beans. Don't ask, don't ask your buddies what to do about your wife. Don't ask your girlfriends what to do about your husband. It's not their field, it's not their wife, it's not their kids, it's not their home, it's not their marriage, come on now. It's not their beans. It's my beans. It's my family. It's my kids. It's my wife. It's my home. It's my inheritance. It's my field. It's my soul. It's my salvation. It's what God gave me. You might not care about the bean field, but it's what God gave me. Somebody give God a praise right there. Oh, somebody give God a praise right there. Hallelujah. 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 Yes. Thank you, Lord. And so I'm going to stand in my field. Let me say this about the field real quick. Land was the main source of generational blessing. Property, real estate, the family farm. Dad's been doing cattle on this farm since since grandpa was doing cattle. We've been doing this for generations. It's passed down to your children so that they have something to make a living with. So listen, this fight for Shema with his bean field, if I could peer into the text a little bit, it was about generations to come. Because if he gave up what his dad gave him and what his granddad and his great-grandfather and his great-grandfather all the way back to when they came into Abraham's promise... And they divided the land among the 12 tribes. and God said, "This is yours, and Shema's standing on that field. If he gave away what his father Abraham passed down to him, what does he have to give his kids? And so he wasn't just fighting for himself. He was fighting for Shema Jr. He was fighting for Shema Jr. Jr, Shema the third, Shema the Four, his kids, kids, kids. I'll tell somebody that's why it's worth the fight. That's why it's worth the fight. Because I'm not just fighting for me. I might might make it, but what about your kids? What about your kids' kids? Every time you bring them to the house of God, you're installing something in them. You're putting something in them. You're you're putting something in their heart. I remember Paul told Timothy, he said, Timothy, i got to give you a compliment, but at the same time I want to tell you. I see faith in you. But at the same time, it didn't all happen because of you. Don't get so confident. Don't get so cocky. It it started in your grandma. I knew her. And then faith was in your mom. I, I knew her. And now it's in you, but it didn't get in you just by you. It was something that was passed down the generations. And so I've got to fight for my field. Every time I invest in my kids, every time I bring them to the house of God, I'm transferring something to them. I'm passing something on to them. I have to fight for my field because someday it's going to be their field. It's going to be their field. Music come. i got to close. You know, the Lord, here's the end of the story. There's only two verses today. But the Lord brought about a great victory. Wait a minute, I thought it was Shema. Verse first two verses tells us he took a stand. Shema was defending, but guess what? Let's look at that verse again. He takes a stand in the middle of his field, he defends it, struck down the Philistines, and the Lord brought a great victory. So was it God or was it Shema? It's both. Was it God? Yeah. Was it Shema? Yeah. We're co-heirs with Christ. What God does, He could do by Himself. But He chooses to do it through us. What God does, He could do by Himself, but He chose to do it through the church. He chose to do it through Shema. God needed a man to stand. That's all God is asking of you. God asked Moses to lift up the staff, and the Red Sea is going to part. He asked Shema to stand, and he took care of the rest. He asked Jonah to go and preach, and I'll take care of the rest. I could go on for days. He still needs a man. He still needs a woman to do what he wants to do in this hour, to do what he wants to do in the church, to do what he wants to do in this city. God is still working through us. And so the Lord brought a great victory. Here's what I want to say today. Every act of obedience is an invitation for God to do the miraculous. Every time you obey God, it's an invitation for God to step in. Every time you stand, you're inviting God into your field. Every time you stand, you're, you're kind of tagging God in and He steps in and says, okay, I'm ready to fight now. I'm just, okay, hey Lord, I'm standing but I know this battle is yours but I'm going to just keep standing. And so every act of obedience opens the door for God to do the miraculous. So did Shema do it or did God do it? I'll tell you, they both do it because God wanted to work through him. And we have have to take a stand. We have a fight to fight. You know, there's a story of an old widow widow who was poor. She had no food for groceries. I love this story. If you're faithful to Wednesday nights, you heard me tell this before. But not everybody is faithful to Wednesday night, so I'm going to just say it again. There's a story of an old widow who was poor, and she had no food for groceries. She began to pray. She said, Lord, you're Jehovah Jireh, my provider. I know you'll provide for me. I know you'll make a way. God, you're going to do it. God, I know you can do it. And her next-door neighbor heard her praying. He was an atheist. He thinks, this foolish woman, I'm going to go buy her groceries Make her think God did it and then let her know it was me and tell her that God failed her. So he went and bought her groceries, put them on the front porch. Next morning, he's watching. She opens the front door, sees two bags of groceries. She starts screaming, God did it! God did it! Jehovah Jireh! Thank you, Jesus! Neighbors just laughing. He's standing in the bushes just laughing. Next week, the groceries run out. He hears her praying with her bedroom window open, saying, God, Jehovah Jireh, I know you can make a way. You did it last week. I know you can make a way where there is no way. Next week, next day, sure enough, Two more bags of groceries when she opens the door. Third week, groceries run out. Now faith is running high, faith is booming. He hears her praying in the uh, through her bedroom window. She's saying, "Lord, this week I'm believing for a steak. I'm believing for filet mignon. I'm believing, Lord, this week for some lobster tail, maybe some shrimp, fried chicken. Oh, Lord, I need some taco ingredients." Lord, could you send it from Publix this time? I just added that part. Not oldies this week, Father. But Lord, we just, we praying Whole Foods this week, Lord. Not the generic stuff this time. Neighbor hears it. So he does it. She opens the door. This time it's six bags of groceries from Publix. Steak, fillets, lobster, shrimp. Taco ingredients, the whole thing. Everything she prays for. She's so excited. She begins to shout, God did it again. God did it again. He jumps out of the bushes. He says, aha, I got you. God didn't do it. I did it. For three weeks, I've been buying your groceries to fool you and show you that God failed you. She starts shouting and dancing all the more. She says, God did it and He made the devil pay for it. I gotta tell you today, there's a test, there's a testimony for every test, there's a spoil in every battle, there's a victory on the ever, ever every side. God is gonna bring the victory. The book of Proverbs says that if you catch a thief, he's gotta repay you seven times. I'll tell you, on the other side of the battle. There's victory. There's spoils. The Lord told Israel, he said, you're going to inherit land. You're going to inherit cattle. You're going to inherit vineyards. You're going to inherit homes. You didn't build or plant any of it, but it's going to be yours because on the other side of the battle, there's going to be bounty. There's going to be spoils. And I believe that's true right here and right now. So I'm going to ask you to stand with me all over the house today. I just want us to bow our head and close our eyes. What I'm going to do is I'm going to open this altar. I'm going to just invite you to come as just just a a show, a sign of us standing in solidarity with God's people that, Lord, I'm not turning, I'm not running, I'm not going anywhere, but God, I am standing with you because I believe, and this is what I failed to say, number four, that when we stand, God's going to fight. And so when you don't know what else to do, I'm just inviting you to stand today. And I believe if we'll just stand, that God's going to fight. How many believe that with me? Would you join me this morning? I want to just pray over you before they sing. Father, we just pray in the house today, God. I believe, Lord Jesus, when I've done all I can, that it's an invitation for you to do everything that you can do. God, and so when I don't know what else to do, I'm just going to stand. God, when I've done everything I know to do, I'm just going to stand. God, when I've prayed every prayer I know to pray, I'm just going to stand. When I've worshipped till I run out of of songs to sing, I'm just going to stand. Lord, when I don't have much energy left, I'm just going to stand. Because when we stand, always see the salvation of the Lord. And I just believe that all over the house. Come on, would you just join me today? Would you just join me today? Come on, let's just worship the Lord together. Talk to Him in your own way right now. Once again, thank you so much for listening. Share this message with a friend. And don't forget to hit subscribe. See you next time.